Welcome to another episode of Follow the Brand. I am your host, Grant McGaw, CEO of Five Star BDM, a five-star personal branding and business development company. I want to take you on a journey that takes another deep dive into the world of personal branding and business development using compelling personal stories, business conversations, and tips to improve your personal brand. By listening to the Follow the Brand podcast series, you will be able to differentiate yourself from the competition and allow you to build trust with prospective clients and employers. You never get a second chance to make a first impression. Make it one that will set you apart, build trust, and reflect who you are. Developing your five-star personal brand is a great way to demonstrate your skills and knowledge. If you have any questions for me or my guests, please email me at grant.magaw, spelled M-C-G-A-U-G-H, at 5star BDM, B for brand, D for development, M for masters.com. Now let's begin with our next five-star episode on Follow the Brand. Welcome to the Follow the Brand podcast. I am your host, Grant McGall. My next guest, Vedner Guerrier, stresses the importance of education. He says to cherish your education as it will open new worlds for you. Using education as his brand and his natural curiosity helped him to get into the C-suite. His motto is access to quality education and focuses on assisting people to achieve positive outcomes. Bedner Guerriere is Chief Executive Officer for Memorial Hospital West, one of six hospitals of the Memorial Healthcare System in Hollywood, Florida. He has 22 years of experience working in healthcare as a caregiver and administrator. Prior to his CEO role, he served as the Vice President of Oncology Services at the Memorial Healthcare System, where he has the administrative lead for the Quality Oncology Practice Initiative at the Memorial Cancer Institute. Mr. Guerriere applies his clinical knowledge to help guide patient-centered care to an array of process improvements and quality care initiatives. Mr. Guerriere has led various process improvement projects in medical oncology focused on reducing oncology patients' emergency room visits, patient triaging, and chemotherapy patient flow improvement. He has completed projects in radiation oncology centered on the patient safety, treatment delivery, and patient satisfaction. Mr. Guerriere is experienced in directing multidisciplinary teams using Lean and Six Sigma methodologies to achieve collaborative resolution for various quality patient care initiatives. He is a board member and coach for the quality training program in the American Society of Clinical Oncology. Mr. Guerriere received a Master of Business Administration in Healthcare from Florida International University. Certifications include Registered Radiation Therapist from the American Registry of Radiologic Technologists and Certified Lean Six Sigma Black Belt from Florida International University. Let us welcome Bettner Guerriere 
to the Follow the Brand podcast, where we are building a five-star brand that you can follow. Welcome, everyone, for another fantastic week on the Follow the Brand podcast. I'm your host, Grant McGall. I always take special pleasure when I get to talk to the executives at Memorial West, of the Memorial Healthcare System. But I'm especially proud of the moment that I'm going to have right now. I met Vedner at the ACHE dinner just a few weeks back. Now I've seen him. We talk about a personal brand. This guy's brand has been wide. I mean, I've seen him in a virtual setting when he was at Miramar. He was running Miramar as a CEO. I'm thinking he's still running Miramar as a CEO of of the healthcare system. Then boom, he's at Memorial West. I cannot keep up with Vedner. So. I'm going to introduce you to him. We're going to have a candid conversation about himself and his journey and what makes him special. So, Vedner, you'd like to introduce yourself? Absolutely. Thank you, Grant. Good day to all. My name is Vedner Garrier, CEO of Memorial Hospital West, and it's a pleasure to have an opportunity to spend this afternoon with Grant. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're going to start because I I like to jump right in. And what I just talked about as far as you, you know, moving, and I know you got your start just at the staff level, and then you went into therapy, then you went into respiratory, you got into oncology, and then you got into more and more leadership roles. I want to ask you, what, if you had to step back and look at that, what are you leveraging, leveraging as a skill set, as a superpower for you over and over again to help you propel your career forward? I think it's the... Commitment to being better, getting better, learning, and more importantly about the importance of relationship and understanding uh, how to engage with people, learn about people. And I think that's been one of the catalysts for my growth as a a professional. Uh, I've had the opportunity to learn so much from so many other people. uh, And it opens when you're curious about people and their different perspectives. It allows you to be easily mentored. Well, I know that you've had some great mentors. You've talked about them on some other programs. And we just talked about um, the new COO over Memorial Healthcare System, Leah Carpenter. You took over her hospital. And those are some pretty big shoes to fill. And, and I even told you earlier, my kids were born at Memorial West. So I have a lot of love for that facility. And I want to ask you, as you've taken over, you've gone through probably I'm going to say probably the toughest couple of years here in the COVID era, you've had to jump through things. You've had to do things that aren't in your job description, but you did them when you had to split the hospital into two, you know, the COVID world ward and the non-COVID world ward, and then just move things around. What would you say was your most challenging moments during those times? And what made you feel good as things got better? You know, as a CEO, the biggest challenge that I had, uh, in, in particular, coming into this COVID era, was really, how do I keep my staff safe? How do I keep these folks safe? How do I provide the care that we need to provide to the community that has entrusted their care with us? So how do we balance that out? We're talking at the time when supply chain, now we talk about supply chain, and everyone's like, okay, we kind of understand. But we didn't understand why it is that we couldn't get enough of this, or why it is that we have to be conservative with this and trying to get folks 
to understand that we need to take this approach. This is the way that we're going to do it for your safety, for the safety of the patient. Splitting the hospital is quite difficult because now you have individuals who are working in an area where the risk is significantly higher. And you're asking them to come in every day, working extra shifts, because unfortunately, with the splitting of the hospital with COVID, we also fell victim to the great resignation. People left the profession because they didn't want to be in the, in the line of danger. And some people said, you know what, I've done my part. I, I you know, and the, or there's an opportunity for me to go to Texas or Louisiana where they're paying more. So now with the workforce that we had, those who are loyal and remained here in the organization, how can we support that need to continue providing care to the, to the community and also being able to keep the staff safe? So that, for me, were the biggest obstacles uh, during this last, in particular, last two, two and a half years now of this pandemic. Well, I tell you, I applaud you. I applaud everyone. This has been trying. We're still in, in more challenges, right? You know, we've got, like you said, the labor shortage. We've got high inflation. We've got a, a war going on. And, uh, you know, it's just no let up from a social standpoint, but you've got to have fortitude. We talked a little bit earlier about how you look back at yourself, how you look back in time and you start to find your, your, your own relatives as they move through time. Now you are from, you're an immigrant, you, you're Bahamian. Your father is uh, of Haitian descent. And I, I like, because I think it was so important to understand the journey of how you got here and how you appreciate things like education. Would you like to just enlighten us a little bit? Absolutely. I, I think when it comes to education, I, I, I go back to the, I call it the genesis of the journey. My uh, grandmother, my father's mother, Rose Guerriere. You have this lady who's one of 17 children. She's the last of 17 She's unable to read and write because she never had any formal education. And her life experience, she realized how important education was. I think the description that's most fitting is her description that her life was a tunnel, that it was dark because she did not have that opportunity for an education, but she always saw the light at the end of the tunnel. And that light represented education. So even though she was not able to have any education in her life, formal education, she made it a point that all of her children, so my father and his other nine siblings, all had a formal education in Haiti. And because of my dad's formal education, he learned about the world. And that allowed him to say, you know what, as a young man, he decided he, he was leaving Haiti, and he left Haiti and went to the Bahamas. And so that's a testament to the power of education. He was exposed to it, it opened up a new world for him. He went out to explore that world. So I, too, growing up, which means when you grow up with someone who, who values education, and my household is also the same thing, my dad growing up and my mom as well, pushed that we had to cherish the education that we were getting because it was not normal. And I didn't appreciate that until the first time that I met my maternal grandmother, and she told me, and I was befouled, like, how can you not have had these opportunities? But then now that, I, and I, as I got older and I was able to appreciate it, I, I'm telling you, I never took education for granted. So I've always embraced my schooling and the opportunities that it's afforded me. 
So I'm always open to learn. Well, I tell you, you, you have told me that story. And I think even a, another story that you told about your start in the healthcare realm. And I want you to talk to our younger youth, our generation, generation, you know, a step or two behind us. Is that when you were young and you were working in the hospital, you know, you had a, a staff role, and then you got inquisitive about, hey, how are you doing that? And what does it take educationally to, to perform that duty? And I want our, our young people to really bite into this because no matter your circumstance, you just, you just talked about your grandmother. You talk, I mean, we're going to talk about yourself. You could have stopped. You could have stopped. And you, you, you could have went a parallel direction. But you made education a brand for you to leverage and, and move forward. And, and having this knowledge opportunity, there's not a lot of people in color as CEOs of hospitals specifically in, in South Florida. So it's in unique position, but the journey to get to that position is a story well, well worth being told. So if you wanted to talk to that young professional who's just starting out in the healthcare profession, what would you say? You know, I would tell that person inevitably look for a mentor. See someone who's in that role. If you're interested for a particular profession, in the healthcare arena and, 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 and ask. Also, do your research, read about it. I will tell you, when I started my first job in healthcare was at Mount Sinai down on the beach. I was what they called a unit service assistant. That means I was an orderly, I was a transporter, I was a nurse's aide, I was a unit secretary if the phone needed to be answered. And it just by happenstance, I was taking a patient to the cancer center. I take the patient to the cancer center, I transport the patient and I, and, I, and I befriend one of the radiation therapists there. And I'm like, what is it that you guys do down here? And he's like, we do radiation oncology. We use radiation to be able to treat people with cancer. So can you show me how it works? What type of schooling did you have to do to be able to do this? And by being inquisitive and asking those questions, I said, you know what, I think I can do that. So I joined uh, Miami-Dade College at the time, the medical campus facilitated uh, that uh, radiation oncology program. I joined that program in a radiology program, completed my studies there and passed my boards and started working at, uh, at Baptist for a little bit as a radiation therapist. So that questioning and that asking of what is it that you do and saying, okay, you know what, this is something that's compatible that I can do that I like and I, and I can help others. I was able to, to do that. And as I progress in my career, I, I, you know, I joined Memorial back in 2001. I joined the Memorial Healthcare System, and I had another mentor by the name of Jeff Esham. And I remember Jeff pulling me aside and saying, "Vedna, I think you have a lot of potential to be a, a leader." And he said, "I will help you along the way, but guess what? You're going to have to go back to school because you're going to need to complete that bachelor's degree. And and if you want to move up further, a master's degree is in your future." And so I committed to that understanding, and I saw it as well. As I progressed as a leader, I started, I was promoted to chief therapist of the department, then manager, then director, and then admin director. As I moved up these different roles until the vice president of oncology, I realized going back to school helped bolster my knowledge base, my understanding of certain things that were so important to allow me 
to be able to problem solve, deal with difficult situations, how to communicate with others, engagement, and also how to lead and how to govern. So uh, you leveraging education, I was fortunate that I, I, I called it, I did it as needed because as I became a director, went back, completed my, my bachelor's. Uh, when the opportunity was coming for me to become an admin director, I went and completed my master's. So for me, I was very fortunate in that. And, you know, for the young person listening today, you got to put the work in. And the work in is through education. One of the things that I do right now that I take great pride in is when I was doing my MBA, I actually completed a Lean Six Sigma black belt. So that's process improvement. That's how to look at problems and help people fix problems and look at things differently. I will tell you, I've had the opportunity to travel the world actually teaching doctors how to use Lean Six Sigma to improve their care delivery and their workflow. And also it has helped me as a leader here at Memorial to be productive because I look at problems differently and we work collectively to resolve them. That, that, that's great advice, fantastic advice. And I'm sure someone will be listening and they will remember the moment that they heard these words because it's encouragement, it's inspirational. It means that no matter what your circumstance, you too can change the outcome, but you have to put in the work. You've got to put in the, uh, the effort. And I want to ask you because healthcare is changing. The delivery of healthcare, the transformation of healthcare. And I'm, I'm in the technology field and I work with a lot of different healthcare systems. And I see, because I've, I've done this 20, 20 plus years, and I've seen a lot of transformation, a lot of changes just in technology and how it's delivered. And we, in the healthcare world, it takes a lot to make changes because of workflow, because of uh, policies, because of uh, compliance and things like that. But now they see the need to adopt technology because of the labor shortage. You've got to be able to do more with less. I just saw where a uh, hospital out in Kentucky uh, started using robotic process automation, an actual robot to fulfill pharmacy uh, or you know different prescriptions, right? How are you looking at? Because that's one we always ask ourselves. We always talk to the CIO or technology, but, but we don't really always talk to the administration about how it's viewed from either an operational, a, a, a financial, or how, how does it... This episode is brought to you by Five Star BDM. Five Star BDM is a professional consulting and advisory group keenly focused on business development services for small to mid-sized businesses and entrepreneurs. Although every business is unique, they often share challenges that can be addressed through smart branding. Services include process improvement and operations, digital strategy and transformation, business intelligence, digital marketing, and personal branding. Our five-star business and personal branding company has helped a number of professionals and organizations to optimize and grow. The result is more business, more opportunities, better reach, positive outcomes. Please visit www.5starbdm.com to learn more and view all the episodes of Follow the Brand. administration goals? For the long-term 
of financial viability for any organization, and particularly in healthcare, I will tell you we're looking to leverage technology any which way we can. From being able to educate the consumer before they even walk through the door. For example, I, and I always use this example in, in oncology. So we do a lot of support consultation for, say, a social worker or a patient navigator to better understand what's happening with the, with the patient. Or in healthcare now, we're dealing with financial toxicity. So a financial counselor that can help guide that patient through what the impact might be financially. Why do I need you, Grant, to get into your car, to drive all the way here to Memorial Hospital West, park in a parking garage, walk a thousand feet to come into the hospital to sit and meet with that person? No, let's leverage like we're communicating today, leverage technology. You have the camera, you have the phone, you have means, and the convenience of the person having a phone at their home being able to discuss with you, taking the time to do it. One way to leverage technology. Also, we're talking about safety. Technology makes us safer. So some of the things that we're looking at uh, and, and regulatory things that we need to meet, hand washing. We have devices now that, and we're doing this at Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital as a trial, that there's a badge buddy that you wear that says, hey, after you enter into a patient's room, it can validate if you stop at the hand washing station, wash your hands before you engage with the patient. So that's infection control, trying to keep that down. Also, I said educating the consumer, being able to get as much information as you can get online so a patient can say, hey, you're coming in for a, 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 hip, trans a, a, a hip replacement. This is what it's going to look like. This is what you're going to go through. This is what we're expecting post surgery, this is what your recovery will be before we think you're well enough to be discharged to go home. So technology affords us to be able to do all of that because so often what happens if we're unable to educate the consumer, patient ends up coming back. And we don't want the patient to come back. We want them to be compliant. So we provide written documentation and we can provide that technology aspect for them to go back as a reference. It better helps us. And more importantly, it improves communication. Healthcare is about communication. It's a team effort. We work synergistically together, but it is through communication and technology allows us to be able to do that. So the next generation of folks coming into this specialty and into this profession, technology is here, it's here to stay. And as a leader, my job is to get it when I can get it. Hopefully it's affordable. <laughs> <laughs> and also um, doing everything that I can do to make sure that my, my team are, 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 are well-versed in utilization of that technology. But it's right. all for the improvement of the consumer experience, the patient experience. I, I, I'm glad you're on board with that because it is changing. The landscape is changing. You've got artificial intelligence, machine-to-machine -machine learning. You talked about robotic process automation. All of these things are going to be leveraged, especially with uh, genomic sequencing uh, that, that, that's occurring and uh, specialized medicine. Uh, all of these things have, are changing the way healthcare is being delivered. So when I, when I talk to you and in the role of CEO, the new CEO, I, I believe that role has changed. So when you look at your predecessors and you look at how they had to manage, whether it was from an operational lens whether it was from a financial lens, you know, now a technological lens, you've got to have great situational awareness 
And I think you are definitely leveraging that at a very, very high level. So if you if you could tell us from from the from your viewpoint as the CEO, and you're talking to the community, to the uh, South Florida community, what what kind of information? What can you tell us that we need to know about the healthcare system? Healthcare is changing. The needs of the consumers are changing. Uh, the technology has changed as well. So one of the things that when I look at it, when I am dealing with uh, any type of audience and communicating about healthcare, I think the one fundamental thing that I always want to impart on them is that we care about your well-being. We want that positive outcome because you could be no different than anyone else. It could be my loved one. It could be my father or my mother or, or any other family member that's receiving care. So that aspect of it is there. So we're focused on how can we better deliver that care? And it's quite complex. And it's making sure that the folks understand the complexities of it. So often people say, well, the hospital won't do this. The insurance company won't do this. But it's also making sure that we can educate them on why. So everyone, for example, so often people misunderstand. If a new robot comes out and the robot is for XYZ procedure, you get someone come in and they're like, well, I want to have the robotic procedure. But it might be a procedure that we can do laparoscopically and your outcome is the same. Your length of stay in the hospital may be the same and your overall outcome and well-being is the same. Understand, if we start using the robot, the robot costs more. There's more at a cost to it. Also, the physicians are limited to how many cases they can do with a robot compared to if they do it laparoscopically. There are certain cases that they have to do robotically. For example, we do a lot of cardiac procedures now that we're able to do with the robot, which is awesome, because by not having to cut that person's chest open, your recovery time is significantly less. And so what's appropriate? Leveraging that as well to educate the consumer in terms of what's appropriate for their care. Because so often you see the commercial and you're like, no, that's what I want. But that might not necessarily equate to what you need for the condition that you have. So it's, um, it's one of those balances that we are, um, we are, we are tasked with. I tell you, when we talk about the consumerization of health, I love how you just say we have to educate the consumer. They need to understand because if you don't understand, you're going to make bad uh, choices or or you come to different conclusions. You don't understand like, oh, well, you, I saw this commercial. I see this all the time as well. I see these uh, you know drug commercials come out and they're like, oh, you should try aspergenerin and this and that. I'm like, I'm not a doctor. What do I know? I'm like, I, I don't know if that's going to work or not. Maybe, I guess. I'm not the, I am not the expert in the room. I depend on you to be the expert. And I need to understand that. And like you said earlier, getting that information out there, whether they need to search for it or whether it's available on social media or it's got to be communicated so you understand the situation, the more you understand, the less frustration that you're going to have, because everyone knows going through uh, the healthcare system is a labyrinth. It's a labyrinth. And, and the more that we all understand that and the more that we can all communicate, we can all come to a better uh, result, a better outcome. I, I think that's so key. So I really appreciate that. And before we conclude, is there anything else that we have not left 
on the table. And I think we've talked about family, talked about some things, but I want you to make sure that we don't leave anything out of this discussion because I think it's so important. Uh, you know, I think, Grant, again, thank you for, for allowing me this time this afternoon to be able to uh, have this conversation with you. I think for the person looking to come into healthcare, the young person coming to look into healthcare, uh, someone maybe like me, Afro-Caribbean uh, descent, uh, looking to come into a profession, those opportunities are there. Again, leverage the great opportunity that we have in this country of access to education. Use that as a tool. It will help you. Don't give up even if someone says no. Uh, if you're focused, seek a mentor. Read about whatever it is that you're, that you're looking. If you have a goal, establish that goal. Read about it. Do your education. Do your homework. And more importantly, engage with others, such as the different societies that we're a part of, that help get the word out. And making those connections and doing that, I think it will be very helpful for that next generation of leaders and, and workers in healthcare coming in. I think it's so important. Um, we need them. Uh, uh, we, we saw with COVID, people are aging out, people are retiring, and um, they're leaving with a lot of intellectual capital as well. So we need that next generation of, of leaders and next generation of workers to come in. Because as I said, and I always say this in every orientation, that we do here at the Memorial Healthcare System that I'm a part of. At the end of the day, it is not the technology that defines the care that a patient's going to receive. It's about the experience. And what makes the experience? The people that we employ. So the people, if you care and you let that patient know that you care about them, then the care and that experience is gonna be outstanding. And that's what's important. So it's not the technology. It's the people. And I always stress that. Focus on the people. Tell my leaders, focus on the people. Make sure they have the tools that they need to be able to work. Make sure that they know they're working in a place where they're appreciated and the rest falls into place. I couldn't have said it better, Bedner. Uh, absolutely. Humanity first. Humanity first in everything that, that we do, especially from a a lens of uh, technology and the lens of uh, affording healthcare to 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 the population. So th that's very very important. So if, if anyone needs to get in contact, you, what is the best way? So the best way is my work email. It's v g u e r r i e r at m h s dot net. So that's v guerriere at m h s dot net, and it'll be my pleasure to provide them uh, any guidance assistance that I can do. Well, this has been a pleasure. I thank you for being a guest on the Follow the Brand Show. I advise everyone to look at all the episodes that we have at, on my website at www.5starbdm, and that's B for brand, B for development, and for masters.com. This has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for being a guest, Bender. Thank you. Thank you. Be well, and have a great day. You too.